culturally acceptable facade can normally keep the ugliest parts of ourselves hidden. But when our self-control breaks, the worst parts of our spirit explode all over the closest person and leave nothing but relational destruction in their wake. Welcome to Truth, Love, Parents, where we use God's Word to become intentional, premeditated parents. Here's your host, A.M. Brewster. First, I need to start by wishing TLP a happy second anniversary. Two years ago today, our first episode was published on iTunes. I cannot praise God enough for how he's allowed this podcast and parenting community to grow. Everything from providing us a free podcast host and website to encouraging listeners like you to partner with us and spreading his word to families all over the globe to our first meetup and speaking opportunities has been a direct act of God, and we are blessed and humbled to be a recipient of His grace and power. We're still the number one podcast on iTunes for Christian Parents, and we're coming up on our 200th episode. I I just don't possess the vocabulary to really praise the Lord enough for His sustenance. Of course, it may one day please Him to discontinue Truth Love Parent. When that day comes, I pray I'm the first to follow Him in that. But for now, I'm overjoyed that you are part of this growing community of parents who wants to be the intentional, premeditated, disciple-making, ambassador parents God called and created us to be. I also want to thank Team TLP, all of our special guests, and every single listener we've ever had. You are all amazing, so thank you so much for your love and support. So, how do we start a new podcast year? Well, in a little over a week, we'll be starting season eight, and I'm going to be giving you more details about that as the time approaches. Other than that, however, our plan is just to get better at what we've been doing. Our goal is to glorify God by showing how every part of His Word is applicable to our families, our marriages, and our parenting. I personally can imagine no greater calling. Also, if some of you uh, still did not know, I am thrilled to be in my new position of director at Victory Academy for Boys in Amberg, Wisconsin. God was abundantly gracious to me and my family as he moved us here five years ago. I love our work with the new families we meet every year, and I'd like to encourage you to check us out, not only if you have a struggling teen boy, but if you'd be interested in serving in a ministry like this. We currently have an, uh, an opening for a residence manager and would love to talk about the ministry with you. Now, I want to dive into today's content, but there's one more thing I want to talk about first. So I've been working on this book, okay? Many of you are aware of it. I've been uh, talking about it on and off for a while now. It's called Quit, God's Cure for Family Strife. I've been working on it for some time for two reasons. Number one, it became a bigger project than I originally imagined. That always seems to happen to me when I start studying God's Word. What I think will make a good episode becomes a series. What I think will make a good series becomes enough content for a book. And what I think will make a good book, well, just makes a longer one. But the second hurdle has been finances. I am overly blessed by the amazing patrons we have. Ray, Carolyn, Mark, Carol, Kara, Matt, Sonia, Scott, Mindy, and Johanna are amazing people who are more than mere financial donors. They are becoming fast friends of mine and this ministry. And it's their gifts that God has used to help TLP reach its second year. Their gifts have allowed us to cover our monthly expenses and beyond, but we've not yet been able to bring in enough to cover the expenses of publishing a book. We actually could use an additional $25 a month to cover the cost of finalizing the book. Now, please pray and carefully consider if the Lord would be glorified by your supporting TLP. It doesn't have to be the full $25 a month from you. If we all work together, we can accomplish so much more than that. Now, we've been slowly working toward this mark for two years, and I thought I wanted to have this book finished last year at this time. I'm just trusting in the Lord's timing. But even though the book is not yet complete, I want to share with you some of the principles of the book so that you will be equipped to address the strife that your family may be presently experiencing. So with that, let's jump in. 
Of course, my desire is to give you some direction and some hope addressing the strife in your family, but not to share so much of the book that it, the book basically becomes unnecessary. I'm not really too concerned about that uh, second one because, you know, as much as I am about equipping you to be an intentional premeditated parent, that's way more important to me. So here it goes. The book is actually going to be published in two parts. Part one addresses the consequences of strife, the creators of strife, the causes of strife, and the cures of strife. And part two is going to go into much more detail concerning the unique cures for strife, depending on the unique causes of strife. But more on that in just a minute. Let's start by observing the consequences of strife. First of all, strife explodes without warning. Proverbs 17, 14 says the beginning of strife is like letting out water. Number two, strife separates families. Proverbs 16, 28, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Number three, strife ruins even the most enjoyable times. Proverbs 17, 1, better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. These three sections of chapter one have life or questions designed to help you inspect your family to see which earmarks of strife might be present in your home. Then the remainder of the chapter builds on the concept that strife is not some monster lurking in a corner. It arises from people. The chapter also unveils God's plan for strife in your family. Believe it or not, God wants to use the strife in your family to accomplish amazing things, but I'm going to leave that topic alone for now. Chapter two addresses the creators of strife. I open with this illustration, quote, consider again the metaphor in Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is like letting out water. Now picture a giant dam. Which part of the picture do you think illustrates strife? Is it the broken dam? Is it the water? Or is this a trick question? I don't believe strife is represented by the dam. The leaky dam is responsible for letting the water out, but the crack is simply an ingredient of the destruction. Without the water, dam failure is just a hole in a wall. It could otherwise be easily fixed. In fact, I would argue that the crack in the dam occurs when we give in to the temptation to sin. But strife isn't merely the water either. Water that stays behind the dam doesn't drown the countryside. The strife pictured in this passage is the actual process of letting out the water. Dam failure is a catastrophic event. It's so destructive that laws of honorable military conduct prohibit enemy soldiers from targeting dams due to the mass destruction and civilian casualties. I once watched a relatively small dam in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan empty into the Menominee River, and it was tremendous. I mean, thousands of gallons of water exploded through the spillway with deafening clamor and petrifying power. And that was a controlled release. Destruction occurs when the water gets out. In the Proverbs metaphor, I believe the dam can represent our self-control, and the water can picture our sin nature, all the pride, selfishness, bitterness, dishonesty, hate, lustful thoughts, gossip, impatience, gluttony, and rebelliousness swirling around in our minds. Our culturally acceptable facade can normally keep the ugliest parts of ourselves hidden, but when our self-control breaks, the worst parts of our spirit explode all over the closest person. And as that torrent of wickedness pours out of me onto them, it leaves nothing but relational destruction in its wake. And that is strife. And then I continue. So here are two takeaways. Number one, the more sin I have in my life, the greater the potential for strife. A broken levy will create far more destruction than a leaky beaver dam. Number two, biblically speaking, sin is less like water and more like acid. Unlike water, sin actually eats away at our self-control and compromises the integrity of our dams. The very presence of sin cannot be contained just by building quote-unquote thicker walls. The more immature we are, the more obsessed with self, the faster our self-control will crumble because sin will always result in strife. 
This makes the following list of strife creators so incredibly valuable. It identifies the particular types of ascetic sin that have the greatest potential for creating strife. Unquote. And then I share a number of verses from Proverbs that reveal that, number one, addicts stir up strife. Two, God-haters stir up strife. Three, hateful people stir up strife. Four, greedy people stir up strife. Five, dishonest people stir up strife. Six, hot-tempered, angry, wrathful, or argumentative people stir up strife. Seven, prideful, arrogant people stir up strife. Eight, fools stir up strife. And nine, sinful people in general stir up strife. Basically, no one can walk away from this list without realizing that the potential for family strife exists in each and every family. And each section of the chapter is filled with verses, illustrations, and life work designed to help us pinpoint the genesis of strife in our homes. Now, that list of nine individuals are the creators of strife, but they're not exactly the causes of strife. Chapter 3 lists them, but opens with this illustration. Let's imagine an aerial view of a dam. Can you see that crumbling wall of self-control straining under the weight of all that sinfully acidic water? Okay, now zoom out. From this distance, you can likely see the whole expanse of lake of sin that makes up our reservoirs. But do you see from where all that water is coming? If you look closely, you should notice a massive aqueduct dumping thousands of gallons of water into our reservoirs. This pipeline exists in everyone's life. It's the source of all sin. It's what we call the sin nature. So the logical question may be, if everyone has an equally huge aqueduct pouring water into their reservoir, why don't we all have the same amount of sinful water behind our dams? Why don't we all cause the same amount of strife when that water gets out? As you look at the mouth of our humongous aqueduct, you should see three levers. These levers have one purpose. They exist to reduce the amount of water flowing into the lake. In a way, they function like the handles of a faucet. Though it's impossible for this faucet to be turned off completely, which is the consequences of living in a sin-cursed world, the levers can be left open so that its effect on the volume of water pouring through the pipe is non-existent. The choice is ours. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if the aqueduct could be closed tight? No more water would ever enter our lakes. Over time, the amount of sin inside our lives would slowly diminish. The amount of pressure on our self-control would decrease. Eventually, the potential for strife issuing from my life would be non-existent. Unfortunately, on this side of heaven, we'll never eradicate sin. That's God's job, and He won't do that until He glorifies us. That's why the door in our illustration can't close all the way. But that doesn't mean that the aqueduct has to stay all the way open either. So how do we close the door as much as is humanly possible? As I said before, on this door are three levers. Each person is in complete control of those three levers. Then when you throw the first lever, the gigantic lock closes a third of the way decreasing the amount of water flowing into the reservoir. When the second switch is thrown, the door closes another third, and the total amount of water flowing into our dams is decreased even more. Finally, when the last lever is activated, the door closes almost all the way. Though the water will always continue to trickle into the reservoir, the flow is barely a shadow of the torrent it once was." Unquote. I then proceed to use scripture to explain what each of the three levers is. The first lever is the lever of deliberate unbelief. The second is the lever of spiritual immaturity, and the third is the lever of fleshly living. Again, each section uses scripture to unpack the concepts, and there's life work throughout to help us apply the truths. And then chapter 4 addresses the cures for strife. Now, I'm still not quite finished with chapter 4 and part 2 of the book, but I wanted to tell you about part 2 before continuing a little bit on part 4. When you consider the long list of strife creators, including addicted, hateful, greedy, prideful, and sinful people, there are many needs represented. 
It's true that family strife can be cured by everything chapter 4 says, accepting God's truth, embracing the Spirit, maturing in Christ, and quitting the strife. But many of those steps will look a little different depending on the unique struggles of the strife creators in your house. So part two is going to step through a selection of verses, principles, and tips to parent your children depending on their unique struggles. For example, addicted children who create strife may be approached a little differently than dishonest children, but only a little differently. Again, the heart problem is the same, but the scriptures you'll want to use to equip your children for life and godliness will likely be different. I look forward to the day part one is completely done. I have just a little bit more work on chapter four in order to finish it up. I will paint with broad strokes the consequences, creators, causes, and cures for family strife. And then I'll continue working on part two, which will provide additional assistance for your unique family needs. Please, pray for this endeavor and consider giving to help Team TLP and I finish this project as soon as possible. I want to give part one away for free to anyone who wants it, and you can help make that happen. And please share this episode with your friends and check Truth Love Parent out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Once again, happy anniversary to Truth Love Parent, and thank you for everything you've done and will continue to do to help us glorify God by equipping parents to be the moms and dads God called and created them to be. There is a cure for family strife, but true change will only occur within the framework of God's plan and power. To that end, I'll see you next time. Truth Love Parent is part of the Evermind Ministries family and is dedicated to helping you become an intentional, premeditated parent. Join us next time as we search God's Word for the truth your family needs today.